Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with returning guest, longtime friend of the show, it's Carrie Hearn, and we're going to talk this time about Unctuous Robots. <laughs> Off of my murdered remains, here we go. Stop repeating things I'm saying, stop repeating things I'm saying, you're an anxious robot, you're an anxious robot You are, you are, I know you are But what am I, is what I say when I'm admiring my reflection While dressing in the clothes I found in your room Yeah, you know, actually, we've got a Carrie uh, that's watching our house while we're in Spain. (laughs) She spells it C-A-R-R-I-E, though. So, but I won't hold that against her. And and, and it is not me. (laughs) (laughs) It is not you. Carrie, it's actually an acronym for this kind of unctuous robot that's right, taking care a, of our house. A, uh, yeah. <laughs> if so many thoughts about, about unctuous robots. Unctuous. It's such a odd word. But be- before we do that, so so my mom loves listening to the show, my mom and dad, but my mom uh, like really likes the covers. And she was, well, basically she was like, one that's, li- that's labeled as Jassy Cat, is that, who is, is that, wait. Is that Carrie? Was this my synopsis cover off of 31 covers? Okay. Yeah. 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 And like, because the voice sounds the same as as the Vancouver. (laughs) Your your mom recognized me. (laughs) Well, I mean, your voice stands out in all the the cover artists that we have. I mean, for one, I'm trying to build up more more women in my my stable of my covers crew you know the crew and uh but i mean you've got the as far as like choir people i mean you're a choir person and an orchestra person but like you've got like rachel jones iowa rachel jones right is um uh i was just talking to avram about people i'd met in person that i met on the show and then met in person you being one of them Mm-hmm. Dana Spencer and then St. Louis Rachel Jones or Chicago Rachel Jones. She's in school in St. Louis, but Iowa Rachel Jones is a choir person. But she's her preferred style of singing is more kind of pop jazz kind of style, and yours is more yeah. let's say a traditional choral kind of style. And so yes. even though you both <laughs> choir trained voices, like you wouldn't mistake you two. 
Like, I've never sung jazz in my life. <laughs> like, Come on, give me some scat. Come on, let's hear your track. Come on. I don't know how to even. <laughs> Come on, don't me think. Think at that swing. Take uh, it from there. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> I literally don't know how. <laughs> Which is interesting, you know, trying to sing pop songs and and having a you know, a hundred percent choral background. It's like, <laughs> how do you turn that on? Like I was listening, so I was listening to the, to when you were talking with Dana in her episode recently about that. And I was, I was, I was thinking to myself, <laughs> Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it was synopsis. I was thinking to myself, do I cover everything? Like, I'm, you know, like it's, Oh, like it's, a, <laughs> like it's operatic uh, or <laughs> I don't think I, I, do. I don't think I quite go that far, but but definitely, like, it's hard not to sneak in just those little tiny, you know, touches of, of girl. I mean, I I would say that you are, I mean, you're definitely the only person in, I mean, Kai, Kai will sometimes use some vibrato, but rarely. Right. I mean, Kai has sang in musicals and all this, like, Kai knows what he's doing. But as far as use of vibrato goes, you're out of my, my, uh, people that contribute you know covers regularly that is like one of That's your my signatures signature, right <laughs> yeah uh-huh it is now and i've i've never been good at that because i've always been a band person and i teach singing to kids that are at ages where you're not really yeah even wanting to introduce that yet. Yeah. you're not you know that's not important at that point and their voice isn't mature enough yet you know to Right. It's like teaching a six-year-old how to throw a curveball. Right. You wouldn't do that. They'd end up hurting themselves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, so my mom was asking, she's like, so how many episodes has Carrie been on? And I'm like, I couldn't tell you at this point. So, but let's bring up the spreadsheet and see if we can figure it out. As far as regular episodes go, though, it's... Not that many. Not many. Well, no. Um, um, this is probably my second regular episode. I think it is. It's, it's mostly... Well, okay, so Crane... Crane, it, though it was live, that is a song episode, yeah. is a yeah, weekly okay, episode. Yeah. So you were on the live, they'll need a Crane episode, and then the Bluebeard. Let's like, see. You're on my spreadsheet 16 times. <laughs> okay. I t- <laughs> there, there are repeats, though, because I have like a reservation, and then way down at the bottom, I have my list of stuff. Yeah. So they, they double up. But yeah, so I got you. Let's see. There's they'll need a Crane. You are. You also have Sleepwalkers slash What Is Everyone Staring At Reserved, Miss Bluebeard. Mm-hmm. Here's Uncle's Robot. Mm-hmm. I might as well put an X next to that that we are recording it. <laughs> then you're on well, social media. It was paired with Mari. Is that a regular episode, though? That was oh, a weekly right, episode. It was. it was just about one song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh? And, uh, oh, and then you also reserved uh, Less Than One from book Mm -hmm. so you haven't done it yet and then i I haven't done here's where (laughs) here's where right here's where your name adds up i've you also have reserved a portion of state songs which i really need to do again because we did we did a lot of linnell last year but it was the roman songs and then it was Mm -hmm. house of mayors Mm -hmm. so if people wanted to listen to your fandom story that would be mrs bluebeard yeah we've we've hashed that out yeah was Episode 54, and this one is going to be episode 188. Damn. <laughs> You're like a tenth of the way there, man. <laughs> so if people want to hear that, they can jump all the way back to 54. I mean, Miss Bluebeard, that was 
That was a fun episode to do just with all of the like mythology that goes into it, the story. I had fun looking up all of all of the different versions. Yeah, that was that was good. Yeah. That was a good first episode for you too cuz I think I info dumped on you. <laughs> yeah, it it spoke to your your academic like lust for knowledge. You're like, yeah, you're like I'm just I'm going to do my literature search. <laughs> right, this is a rock music podcast. And yet, I'm opening books now. <laughs> My citations will be at the end. Thank you. I have some literature for this episode, too. Okay. All right. Uh, hopefully, it's some like AI written stuff that, you know, oh, some that's untwist an interesting, AI. That's an interesting direction. I, I, I just thought of, but no. <laughs> no, so I had a project this summer. Uh, last summer that I was doing that was an art project. So you remember, I don't know, when the the machine learning art boom sort of took off last year? Yeah. I did a little pro- side project on Tumblr taking TMBG album art and mashing it through some oh, of yeah. those, some of the AI algorithms. Um, yeah. The BQGAN clip algorithm. And like I would feed it the album art and then I would like feed it a phrase or, you know, an idea of what I thought it could turn the picture into. And a lot of them uh-huh. came out like really cool, but I only had like yeah, two people following the project. So like nobody's seen it. <laughs> you cross post some over elsewhere, didn't you? Uh, maybe one or two. I think I probably did okay. in TMBS where, you know, sort of shit posting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I saw some of these unless someone else was also doing this. Oh, and I also did. It. I also made it. Pr- produce some like concert photography i was like a tmbg concert you know as a text prompt and it would just like yeah. put out this sort of muddy picture of like backs of heads <laughs> so yeah, I, I was like <laughs> i was having fun with the with the ai art thing for months oh and well vancouver yeah. i mean the video i did for that too was like part of that part of that whole thing <laughs> yeah people should go to the jesse cat youtube channel and, uh, and see my find that my, that, that what man, oh <laughs> i should watch that again i don't think i watched it since because i watched it a, a bunch when you first did it i should go back so, the, so the, the fun part about that video is that like that's my parents go-to video to show their friends my my current <laughs> like music <laughs> output and, the, and then they have to do like all this explanation like she likes this band she's doing these covers yeah. <laughs> there was this and thing with this, this thing ai that... art thing <laughs> the pictures are weird <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you won't understand them and that's okay <laughs> Like, oh, and it's you know it's a cover of a song that's supposed to sound like the Cars, but it's not the Cars. It's like right. it's like twenty layers deep of this thing. Uh, yeah, it's well when you get into <laughs> such weird depths of rock music that's like sub 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 genres where right. it's like, and then you're doing an art you know, project that's similarly like <laughs> a little tiny. Yeah, inch. there's a visual element too. Yeah, which is also shit post like. <laughs> Like when people at your work, which is all smarty pants scientists, folks, do you guys ever talk about pop culture stuff? Do people ask you like, oh, what music do you listen to? Uh, only to the extent that I like play music in the lab and then like force them to hear what I'm listening to. <laughs> okay. Like, Cause like as far as the discussion goes, like yeah. if someone said, if I was a stranger and I said, oh, what kind of music do you like? Like. What would you say if I was like, you know, a normal person who just listens to like 
Dave Matthews Band or uh, whatever the fuck. Well, a 40-year-old who isn't into... That person, I would tell them that I listen to classical music mostly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. That's a technique that I would use. Like, I would use what I know about their music taste and try to, you know, get down to their basic bitch level. Right. <laughs> I'd be like, I would not go into. There's this one. There's this one pop rock band that I really love, and besides that, I listen to 99% Baroque. I'm like, how do you? Yeah. I just say I mostly listen to classical music. I've currently got your 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 video playing. Oh here, yeah, just on yeah, mute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absorbing the Technicolor visuals. Yeah. <laughs> Fashion model, white background, bright colors, blonde. Sometimes I like the little prompts that I, you know, fed the the algorithm, the ma- machine learning yeah. algorithm. I gave it the prompt. Yeah, that is that is fun. I should try some like, of that. It's just, I, it's yeah. Each it's, of those I've little pieces so of that prompt, li- you know, yeah. you would you try it and you get something crappy, and you know, you tweak those prompts. Mm. It was really That'd hard to convince to it to make anything on a white background and have bright colors. I couldn't get it to do both. They would, you know, they would sort of be pushing each other in opposite directions and it would settle out to these sort of oozy, bright, pastel, pastel to bright mixtures. But it was fun. It is kind of a crazy thing. I mean, this is something that's been talked about in science fiction since science fiction was in, you know, first became a thing, you know, about how, you know, robots are going to destroy the world or do or whatever and this stuff when it comes to like ai what we're actually using it for and music right. yeah it is kind of weird to think about oh yeah there was a podcast i was uh an episode of some i think it was an npr podcast of some kind i had just had an episode about you know we can get we can make AI create original music, but should we? <laughs> like one of those uh-huh. kind of things. I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, well, that's even, like, oh, that I mean, that's a big debate in the art world right now. Is like, is is? I was just watching a video like last night. Is is computer generated art copyrightable? You know, is it? And right now, the consensus I think is no. Is it? You know, is it made by a human? Sort of. Like the algorithm is. There's always a training data set and and like somebody made that like this video for example i even you know i I list the the algorithm and the training data in in that blurb underneath because technically if if a copyright exists at all it's not to me it's to the person who made the algorithm and the owner of the data set but like as a you know as a as i'm a curator of this video, but I didn't, I didn't like create anything technically. <laughs> so, so is it like copyrightable? Probably not. Yeah. And if it is, when you're making this, this is, does it take like a huge amount of CPU yes, to does. do this kind yes, of thing? Yes, I did it in the cloud. Like I used a Google notebook with a giant, you know, Google machine behind yeah. it to do it. Yeah. Nowadays, hmm. in fact, it's actually becoming hard to even do these kinds of projects because the companies that were letting people just like Google were letting people just run these are running out of CPUs that they're willing to let people <laughs> use for them. <laughs> like, and people are figuring out, Oh, I can make money, you know, using my cloud computing to get people to do this. And so they're hiking up the prices. So I'm not playing with this anymore because like it's too expensive. Okay. <laughs> I follow, I, uh, I follow a, um, an AI art, 
curator, like the most currently the most famous one who's who on Twitter, who is like this college student who's just been curating everything interesting going through this field. And like, he's, he's, he just put up like a Patreon because he can't afford to make his own art anymore. <laughs> Dang. Like, so what's the, uh, what's the, uh, handle so of this person? um, image AI, I think he's got a lot of, he finds a lot of really interesting work that people are doing a lot of, a lot of very beautiful and like the people, you know, coming up with the newest algorithms. He always, is it, them. wait, what's the person's name? Images underscore AI. That's like his Twitter name. Yeah, this is all very fascinating to me. It's not something that I think I don't or think there. I could add on to my I pile say of there, hobbies. I'm not actually sure. If it's a guy. My pile know. of hobbies. My pile of time-consuming hobbies. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can add on. You know, fucking around. With AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. I mean, I did it when it was. I did it when it was free, and it's not free anymore. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was already following them. Yeah. Maybe you or someone else had tweeted out something of theirs. Uh, I probably them. did. Yeah, yeah. I I think one of the, one of my favorite things I think has been has come out as being not truly AI but a faked thing by a comedian are those. There was that one person. I oh, someone on Twitter was it was like I f- I made a uh, AI oh, watch a yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, hundred Olive Garden commercials. Right. <laughs> That and, was all. And write that their was, own that olive was, gun. That was human generated. I'm 100% yeah, sure. It's so, <laughs> but it was so it's funny. So funny though. Kara and I still quote a lot of that. Like still so funny. So like that was entirely too much Italy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or wait your smiles to reveal mouthful of right. soup. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and when you're here, you're here. <laughs> the other. The other. Person in the field that I follow is Janelle Shane, and I've been following her since pretty much the beginning. She she tests basically every new AI algorithm that comes out. So if like so she you know beta tests out the one that makes songs you know sound like other people. Mm-hmm. She but she uses it for comedic purposes. So like she's got a whole bunch right. of like really cursed Christmas carols. Oh boy. <laughs> she, <Yeah. laughs> she's, you know, demonstrated how pretty much every image generator has an edge case where it thinks things that aren't drafts are drafts. Like <laughs> yeah. she uses the text prompt ones to like name, you know, flavors of cake. <laughs> and they'll be like, you know, space invader, cool. <laughs> deadly alien yeah. cake, or, you know. <laughs> nice. Man. So I follow her because cause yeah, she's funny and cool. she always finds, you know, the most funny ways. Oh, actually, I've been following her so long that before I knew, I think probably before I even was a TMBG fan, I have a YouTube video, a fairly cursed YouTube video that uh-huh. is from a, oh dear, I have to, I have to, backstory this a little bit the actor misha <laughs> collins <laughs> from supernatural <laughs> okay used to I, maybe things have changed a little bit but used to do this annual scavenger hunt thing there's like a worldwide scavenger hunt called gish okay. in which people would submit like prom you know stuff in in you know, for prompts, sort of have this prompt list uh-huh. and we like form teams on social media and stuff. And one year, one of the prompts was to do a cooking video based on Janelle Shane's list of 
cursed recipes <laughs> and i did one <laughs> and it's really terrible but it's, yeah. it's, it's buried in my yeah. youtube <laughs> like but this was before i was using youtube for for tvd covers <laughs> like that sounds funny cursed recipes it was, it was pretty you know oh and, I, and it was so and funny. i did it as a i did it you know i was pretending to be an ai making so i'm you know like pretending to okay. be an android or something making a a pie that just is like <laughs> very strange ingredients. Now, <laughs> this is my little foreign yeah, acting. <laughs> it's relevant to the, to the discussion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all this, you know, hopefully people do. Like, we're, we're still people sort of have heard the two of us around, talk a lot. We're circling around the idea of AI and what you can do with it. We're circling around robots and. So, do you know where the word robot comes from? Unctuous they can be. The, oh, I did, but I've. I know I found it. Some, I forgot. Okay, this is the first <coughs> literature citation. <laughs> Speaking okay, <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Robot. The playwright Carol Sopek. Sop, uh, I think I have his name wrong. Um, the I think I have his last name wrong, and therefore I'm looking it up. The play was called Rossum's Universal Robots, and. Huh. It was from a very long time ago, 1921. Oh, I was close. Yeah. Are you are? Yeah. And somebody yeah, in the and and I had already had this thought. I had already been thinking about this play. I read it a long time ago. It's a very very good play. And I already been thinking about it. You know, just because of the word robot. But somebody in the interpretations page for the song mm-hmm. pointed out that. You are, you are, could be a reference to this play. Oh. <laughs> You're an anxious wow, robot. Yeah. You are, you are. Yeah, are you are. That's the, that's you the are you are. Damn, play. that is a wow. It seems it seems like a possibility with Linnell knowing Linnell. I mean, they've written so many songs about robots. So this is Robot Week, if you oh, didn't know. Oh, this is I Robot Week. To, I didn't know that. Yep. I, I talked to Elizabeth Sandifer, co-writer of The Flood 33 and a Third, about a non-flood song, Become a uh-huh. Robot. So it's Robot Week. And then you got Robot Parade. Oh, good. Yeah, multiple okay. versions of Robot Parade. Mm-hmm. Let's see. What am I forgetting? So, are, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's got to be a bunch more. I mean, Dan versus Cog is about a robot. Like ones that don't have robot in the title. Aren't I missing one that actually has robot in the title? I guess searching my spreadsheet would be the best place to do this. I'm looking the on the wiki, wiki but and I don't think they have any that just have bot. I mean, there's nanobots, but uh, if you yeah, I would count that. that. I would count that. I would count that. Yeah, stuff about robots, just like Dan versus Cog, and uh, about very tiny robots. Mm. That need to be wound up, apparently. Right. <laughs> God, I love that song. I've got Cara's name next to that, and I'm, t- I'm I'm trying to convince her, even though I'm not recording any episodes in Spain, or at least I don't need to, but I'm like, you know, I mean, we're there for six weeks, so, like, girls go to bed, we're going to be doing just, like, stuff we would do here, like, <laughs> you know, binging Netflix or whatever, and uh, we're going to be finishing up the lyrics to the Outdoor Valor album, 
I want to do an episode just for us to like kill an evening, like just talking about something goofy. Like, so she's on nanobots, and I'm trying to convince her to do drown the clown, Ooh, yeah. just so we can like shit talk Trump, uh-huh. like get the rest of that out of our system. You know, <laughs> he's you know, uh, it's, uh, I'm like, come on, it'd be so fun to do. And she did the backing vocals yeah. on my punk cover of it. Um, and Zinnia's also in the oh yeah at the uh-huh. end. Zinnia's uh-huh. on there. <laughs> she's oh yeah at the beginning of Broke My Own Rule, and she's oh yeah at the end. So cute. So uh, cute. Yeah. <laughs> she loves talking to the microphone, mm-hmm. and then I'll put on effects and uh-huh. stuff like that so she can hear her voice back all crazy. And so I'm like, I can make you sound like a robot. So I put on you know like the. Uh-huh. 8-bit, 16-bit, or one of the weird sine wave things uh-huh. and all this, so you can do so much cool robot stuff. In fact... See, that's why I need to get it. Probably... <laughs> we should probably make our voices sound like robots, oh, right? Um, About... Yeah. Now, I am a robot. Also I am programmed to record the perfect podcast about They Might Be Giants. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say that sounds exactly like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> But even that will sound cool through the robot, I, I whatever I decide to put on there. I, I need to hear your robot settings. <laughs> it's like when me and me and you heard the If Day episode, right? Mm, With Chris? No, I'm not caught up enough. No. Oh, because we did an acapella cover where I put a ring modulator on our voices. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about the ring modulator flames is all like. He seemed really. Like the, all the music. <laughs> Yeah, all the music was inspired, and we found out that that's there's like three songs he's used that on McCafferty's bib. Or quote I saw somewhere, he's like, "Yeah, it's not a very useful plugin." I'm like, "Well, you've um, gotten three right? songs that were pretty much like the music, because that's like how I'm inspired by like my pedal board. Like uh-huh. a lot of people write songs on an acoustic or whatever, and then play them on electric uh-huh. guitar. But for me, like getting delay on it or getting like a chorus pedal or something like that, that will inspire the part that I write." And I think the ring modulator did that same thing for well, at least for the plans yeah, handoff tracks for the right exactly. But mm-hmm. even just like yeah, if you're like oh, this is a cool little part, but it's really cool when I flip this thing mm-hmm. on, and then that kind of spins into other ideas. It's weird how that how songwriting works. Wouldn't know. Like Wouldn't that. know. <laughs> yeah, when are you gonna try writing originals? When I figure out how to turn off the part of my brain that just does classical music. <laughs> I don't know well, how to write a pop I mean, song. I mean, I know how to, I know how. So this is actually getting into sort of the meat of this, of the meaning of the song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was going to propose that you need to write your Eleanor Rigby. Father Mackenzie, writing the words of a sermon that no one will hear. No one comes near. Look at him working, donning his socks in the night when there's nobody there. What does he care all the lonely people? Do like a chamber string thing and then whatever the melody is, you can come up with the melody on the on the violin and then just put some words in there. I have attempted to write I mean you've heard. I I I, I believe in myself as far as I can write chamber music or or mm-hmm. you know, stuff that's really obviously classical, but the structure of a pop song or a simple enough melody for a pop song, I don't know if I know Mm -hmm. how to do. Well, what about like how your cover for this came out? We we will be hearing later. You turned a pop song into that I know how to do. This is like so the, now you just like need to go the other way. This is like the third or fourth time I've done this to a TMBG song. Right. 
You need to just, you need I, I to know how to flip it and reverse yeah. it. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. It's your primitive, it's why I need It's your primitive, it's why I need So, so spinning that into the song. So going back to the song, I mean, like, at least to me, the song is about derivativeness. It's about creative originality and not being sure if you have it or not which is just like mm-hmm. an insane to me it's insane that Lanal even bothers to think about that because like <laughs> for you know just writing a sheer number of original melodies <laughs> that sound good <laughs> i guess just i mean i guess he still would i mean he just has that anxiety I, in him that you know he he lets us all know about right. his anxiety issues through his songs, even though you know you might not say that any of them are directly from his point of view. The amount of characters that he writes about that have depression and anxiety, you know, that's coming from a real place. But stuff that's like you know about the creative process. It's about you know, did I write something new? Am I writing something good? Should I have scratched right. this out and thrown it out? You know, this song is. Right. You know, I am doing these things, but I'm working with other people's tools or I'm, you know, there's, there's, I am just the tiny man at the controls or, you know, I'm standing in the mirror and I'm wearing someone else's clothes. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I, I listen to that and I hear, you know, am I ripping off the Beatles? That's what I hear when I hear, Mm. when I listen to the lyrics of that song, I hear that question. People are going to know that we've heard of the Beatles when they see this in the movie. <laughs> we might be losing some credibility right. with our audience for not having just done things like yeah, the Beatles. Made it up, yeah. They find out we've actually heard, heard Beatles records are going to feel differently about us. We are the shitty Beatles. <laughs> or am I ripping off myself? Or am I ripping off myself? You know, would people like me if yeah. they realized that that you know, I'm using the same chord structures that someone else used, or I'm, you know, I'm uh, uh, millions of people have written a pop song before me. Is mine really new? <laughs> or this, this girl named Carrie Hearn in Michigan found out that house of mayors <laughs> right? and can't yes. remember the dream have some similar stuff going the on. And, mashed it up, in the and I've been found out. Yeah. I've been found out. my dude <laughs> yes you are original i am not <laughs> I, and, yeah. uh, my, my works my, your works if you think your works are forgeries you should see mine <laughs> i mean i i subscribe to the the old saying that you know like homage and you know plagiarism what is that homage and, is the se- yeah. sincerest form of flattery imitation is a sincere form of flattery yes and because, I mean, 
I told you about this punk song where I've, I'm just lifting things right out of these two really different sources. And as someone who like who loves classical and is excited about pop often, I'm like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I like. <laughs> I mean, this is the first time I think where I've flat out, yeah, taken a classical influence. I mean, it's all all of this is in me. Right. Like, there's a lot of classical like theoretical technique that i learned in college that goes into every song i write sometimes i have to stop thinking about it so much in order to, to just do this is why i haven't written a pop song yet <laughs> took me a while it took me a while uh, yeah we were in this band where yeah the guitarist had written a song that was in g and there was an a major in it and i'm like well really that should be an a minor and he's like well the a major sounds good i'm like but but but, but <laughs> are we in a mode? And then it's like, oh, what, what the hell? are you doing? And I was the drummer in the band, so it was like I really didn't even have to play it. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I just had to, I was drumming along with it. So this song's in G as well. I was glad of that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's a good violin key. You get a, there's a couple things that tiptoe out of the key a little bit, but I wonder if he intentionally wrote it, or I wonder if it, a, a one four five chorus. <laughs> yeah, if he writes. Because my, I've said this many times that I think Flans a lot of the times will start with the words, mm-hmm. while Linnell I think always starts with the music and will write Probably the melody with his fingers. Time, yeah. So that would be my guess because his melodies sound a lot like, especially if you listen to something like "I Broke My Own Rule," like you can just feel that whole song just fitting right under your fingers. You know, walking up the keyboard. How mm-hmm. I mean, I did it on a MIDI keyboard when I did my cover, and it's it just feels good playing it. Like just like oh yeah, it's like you're practicing your scales, but then oh B flat, and you <laughs> like do a little thing in there. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, F sharp coming down. On the keyboard, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he puts words to it. So for this one, I wonder if like he's just kind of jamming. And he's like, wow, I'm writing a one, four, five <laughs> progression again. <laughs> right. So then the lyrics are inspired by him feeling uninspired by the music. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. But I then, mean, I mean, you, you but got- then, like the verses, you know, if you, if you consider, I think of it as chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, or whatever, you know, it's, if you think about you know the verses, they don't even do the same thing in both. They're like wandering off into another key, practically. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that feels pretty darn original to me. I'm like, mm-hmm. if you only had the chorus, then no. But <laughs> right, yeah, and it's it just that that rhythm too. Dun, dun, I mean, that rhythm is what I love the dun, most dun, about dun. that song. Well. And the chords, but like, <laughs> it's an undeniable. It's a tried and true rock rhythm. I listened to that to this damn song on complete repeat for like a week when i first heard I it i was yeah. like oh this is the one that i play over and over and i don't get to the next track <laughs> like <laughs> i was writing my dissertation <laughs> and like sitting in the library like with my you know computer playing my music for my headphones and i think i was like an hour in you know on some data analysis thing and i'm like oh yeah i'm still listening to anxious robot <laughs> <laughs> yeah like this, this song is only i can write to this <laughs> it's a minute and 48 seconds yeah <laughs> it's so damn catchy though <laughs> it is but every time and i've been talking about a lot of these my murder main songs recently you know i just did robo mayor that will have come out not long before this uh, Prepare just came out today, uh, as of our recording. So, I guess Prepare would have come out, and then Robot Mayor, and then will this. have been coming out. <laughs> I don't know. Time, it's, time it's a flat a, circle. Yeah. It's a big ball of wibbly wobbly <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and every time I talk about 
one of these songs, it just makes me think that, like, why don't the Johns think these are as good as the stuff on I Like Fun? And you could tell, like, they kind of held back some that are... Yeah, I like... Like, the communists have the music, you know, neck rolls. I mean, there's some other ones. Like, it's pretty heavily weighted on the first disc, like, pretty mm-hmm. pretty front-loaded mm-hmm. ones where you're like, these were maybe, like, they're like, what? I don't know. Should this be on that? Like, it's hard to fathom coming up with track lists for three albums at once. Yes. Right. right, you got Escape Team. I mean, Escape Team obviously was one where it was its own thing. But still, writing that many songs in one giant writing session of a couple years or whatever, you know, I don't know exactly when they would have started that, but there's so many songs, like, just parsing them out. Like, I'm starting to, like, think of a track list for the, for the Outdoor Valor album just based on, like, you know, tempos and feels of different songs. But when you've got that, big of a pool of songs to choose from and not only are you trying to come up with track lists you're trying to just decide what disc they're <laughs> going to be on what album and then on this album what disc i mean the the more murder remains that's the one that has stuff like like prepare was actually a reject from nanobots so yeah. like the stuff that yeah. this is like the really the leftovers this is like the b-sides of like, the b-sides oh yeah these things are kind of good and we probably should officially release them <laughs> right right but that 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 it's got a lot of play for me. I mean, I had that in my car for like a summer. It was my summer jam. <laughs> but <laughs> so it's the 10th track on disc one. So it's on disc one. So I'd say the more murder remains is definitely like the B sides, yeah. but would you consider, I mean, they considered an album. It's not like album raises new and troubling questions or mm-hmm. something like that. Would you consider disc one B-sides of I Like Fun, or is it clearly its own album? It's interesting that you ask me that, because I had, to, I had to make decisions on that when I was determining whether I, I, was, I was... So this was a shitpost for Tumblr. I was working out when they were going <laughs> to hit infinite albums per year, because they've technically been slightly speeding up over time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do I have to? It's horribly nerdy, but I was like, do I have? Do I count the compilation? You know, do I count thing? Do I count my murdered remains? Do I count phone power? I was like, mm-hmm. are these comps or are these albums? <laughs> and I think I they consider them. I think al- I yeah, went with phone power not being an album. Oh yeah. yeah. Which means technically I should count. I should not count my murdered remains, but I may have to recalculate all of that anyway. At this point. Phone power of 2015. This is this, this is, is the, the phone, phone power, power of 2018. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, though, because, I mean, there's songs like, like I mean, Communist is so clearly a hit. Um, yeah. And Necrols. Yeah. I mean, these ones that, like, like Necrols is, those are both so far up, like, in the Phantom, like, with the wiki. Like, Necrols is 39 really? on the wiki. I don't rate it that high. It's good, but I don't rate it that high. Anywhere near communists is at number nine wow it cracked wow. the top 10 and i mean that's a fun song and i'll tell you doing that with doppelpopolis was a blast oh i it can was imagine so fun uh, so unctuous so i don't even know like the, if these are b-sides and unctuous is at track 10 it makes me think that so it's coming back to like the anxiety and like the doubt that Linnell has that we've both been talking about his he's doubting his own songwriting and like, oh, that's funny. It's, you know, he's such a good songwriter. It's a joke. But then he puts it at track 10 on the B-Sides yeah. album. So clearly there's some truth to what he, you know, there's there's some like deep, you know, he's like, ha, ha, ha. 
it's funny. And it's my it's... favorite song on that album. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. I mean, just to get to okay, so talking about the deeper meanings of the lyrics on the surface we need to level, find the word unctuous because maybe the podcast doesn't know. <laughs> even before that, even before we get that complicated, I work in elementary schools. Uh-huh. And the stop repeating things I'm saying. Stop repeating things I'm saying. You're an anxious robot. You're an anxious robot. Like the I know like, you are, but what about? Which is like <laughs> yeah. stop copying me. Stop copying me. What are you? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. These back and forth things. Just, I heard like so. You know, my my niece and nephew that live in the same house as me. I heard them saying that to each other just this morning. They're like, "Stop copying me! Yeah. Stop copying me!" I'm like, "It's <laughs> <laughs> just so classic." Classic. I'm like, I yeah. remember doing that when I was your age. How did you learn it? Did you say <laughs> you're an you? unctuous? You're an, you said you're an unctuous robot. You little scamps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does have like. You should those, teach them. A, it should it does have like those those sort of schoolyard sort of <laughs> taunts in it. I know. There's always some kid every year, some kindergartner usually, he, who sings yeah. "Jingle Bells, Batman Smells" as if it was like a unique right. thing that they had come up. They're like, "Mr. Simpson, have you heard this?" I'm like. Uh. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I did. Back when I was you, your age, yeah. I did. <laughs> I have heard that. Yes, kids are doing, still doing the same dumb shit. They're just putting it on TikTok. Right. Unctuous. Do you want to tell us about unctuous? Did you know what it meant yes. before because the I, song? No, I, I had to look it up. Do you know what the original meaning of the word is? Let's see. Late Middle English. In the <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're looking in it up too. In the sense, grease, gr- oily, gr- anointing, oily greasing. Or, you know, Greasing, anointing, yes. yeah. Okay. Which actually, I feel like. So, like, holy. Yes, <laughs> honestly, I bet, or, you know, blessed oil, whatever, like, for anointing yeah. oil. I feel like I'm, I can almost think of some liturgical word that is closely related, but not quite. I don't know. Unction. Last unction? Unction? I feel like that's a. Unction junction. Like, What's that's your a function? word. Like, last rites, like anointing oil for that. But, I mean, I'm not yeah, Catholic, think, but if I were the, Catholic. From the medieval Latin unctuosus, from Latin unctus, means means anointing, and from unguere, un, unguere? anoint. Huh. I'm probably not, I'm like saying it like it's Spanish or something. But this, unguere. yeah, but this, this version of the word basically means oily as in mm-hmm. the, a greasy character who like is all yeah. nice to you, but doesn't actually mean it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like smarmy type. My, my God, you're greasy. Uh, <laughs> It comes from oily. <laughs> this yeah. oily fellow. Yeah. I, I dislike <laughs> this oily fellow and his unctuousness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's a fun kind of like double meaning there because robots. Because robots probably need oil, yes. <laughs> right, yeah, until you get those self, self-oiling robots. Maybe that's why he's so unctuous. He's very oily because he's over-oiling his own. Here's the next literature reference. So the, so the most... okay. Unctuous robot I can think of is the computer AI in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm. The ship computer Eddie, who opens and closes doors for you and says thank you for making a simple door very happy. <laughs> Hi there, this is Eddie, your shipboard computer, and I'm feeling just great, guys. And I know I'm just going to get a bundle of kicks out of any program you care to run through me. <laughs> <laughs> I never read those. You know, it's funny. Because then when Outdoor Valor named our first EP Don't Panic, and people are like, oh, is that a Hitchhiker's reference? They're like, no, I don't, you know, it's about not panicking. Yeah. 
I mean, it's just two words. <laughs> I mean, any everybody would think that. That I mean, anybody who knew anything about Hitchhiker would immediately think that. We have like a little my my sister's. We have a little piece of wall art in our house that my sister found mm-hmm. at like a thrift store or something. It says "Don't panic" on it, and we have it because yeah. you know I'm sure whoever made it was like "Live, laugh, love, don't panic." But we're like hitchhiker. <laughs> we have buttons. I think I might still have some buttons from that era that say "Don't panic" yeah. <laughs> because of the album. Not because, but yeah, all the AI in Hitchhiker is from serious cybernetics corporation with genuine happy people personalities <laughs> something like that. and they're all you know like that they're all <laughs> intentionally make you hate them <laughs> the heart of gold starship hmm you should read those books yeah, those are just funny. those are just great books those okay. are either read the books or listen to the radio show they're the same story but not told radio the same show. there was the books there was a radio show. Yeah. I think the radio show predated the books. And then there was a radio show. And then there was a TV show, which was oh. also pretty fun. And then there was a movie. And they all tell right. the same story differently. And they're all great. Hmm. So, highly recommend. Yeah, like something I can listen to in the car definitely would, would I'd make it through a lot quicker. All the books that I have are all about music. So, <laughs> if it's not about music, it's going to the bottom of the mm-hmm. sack. I got a new the definitive biography of Jesus and Mary Chain to read hmm. in Spain. As well as a 33 and third about Psycho Candy mm-hmm. in their first album, which I'm already partway through. Um, yeah, it was cool talking about those 33 and a thirds with uh, Elizabeth because yeah. I'd already talked to Alex, you know, a year before. So it's kind of cool to hear a little more about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking thinking forward about to writing that episode. I've been thinking about proposing one about um, like writing a, a, a sample chapter for Modest Mouse, Lonesome Crowded West. I'm not sure if that's an album that I've forced upon you yet. No. I don't think so. Mm. One of the definitive, yeah. I mean, I could see my modest mouse best stuff. I was pretty desperate for playlist stuff on Tuesday night when I had a sixteen-hour workday. My friend Mitch hooked me up with some kind of spooky accordion pop. I forgot who they are. I'm gonna have to look. Oh, again, cool! Like there was a lot of accordion or or other reed-based keyboards in there, and like this. Very That's spooky fun. vibe, and I liked it. That was cool. If you want some weird accordion stuff, you should hit up Machiak to send you some of his uh, North Korean. Ooh. Accordions are extremely popular in North Korea. They're like, huh. I mean, they're like the working man's instrument. Like the accordion is, I just sent you a place. I heard the, I heard the thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did that come through? Did you hear that on the mic? <laughs> yeah. I bet you did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did hear it, yeah. Because, yeah, it's like, and, and Franz Nikolai and I talked about this on the I Am Not Your Broom episode way back about how it's been a very popular instrument with, with the working class. Mm-hmm. It's it's portable. It doesn't need electricity. It's something, you know, people brought over on ships to the new world. Mm-hmm. And it's very popular with communists as well. And on the Communists Had the Music episode, he, he told me all about, Maciek told me all about the huge, like, I think I played one of them. It's like 30 kids playing accordion oh, wow. at the same time or uh-huh. something. It's just this massive sound. Craziest thing. So an unctuous, unctuous robot. Unctuous. If, if the pronunciation. So he's, he, yeah. He makes a, a two-syllable. I would say unctuous or unctuous. No, I would say unctuous. With a schwa. With a schwa. Yeah. Yeah. Even the pronunciation has the S-H and then the double O with the line over it. Yeah. Unctuous. Unctuous. Yeah, not unctuous. Sounds like anxious. Unctuous. 
Well, knowing how he writes, he probably had a dummy lyric first, and it probably was like anxious robot. <laughs> and he was like, I need a better one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I talk about that too much. And it's too obvious. Right. Well, okay. Are there other literary references you're throwing at me? Well, I mean, if we get into the fact that like robots are cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, duh. Do I get to it? This isn't a literary reference per se, but do I get to admit that as a Star Trek fan, like, Star Trek Next Generation like hooked me from the get-go as like a six-year-old because of Data, the android on it. With regard to romantic relationships, there is no real me. I am drawing upon various cultural and literary sources to help define my role. Kiss me. What were you just thinking? In that particular moment, I was reconfiguring the warp field parameters, analyzing the collected works of Charles Dickens, calculating the maximum pressure I could safely apply to your lips, considering a new food supplement for Spot. I'm glad I was in there somewhere. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was like my favorite character, you know, as a little kid, like on all TV. And Star Trek is why I am a scientist. I'm a hundred percent sure. Like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. what what's fictional, specifically fictional like, androids on space? Yeah. <laughs> television, sh- you know, sci-fi shows. I'm sure that's why I'm a scientist now. So yeah, so Data is your favorite robot. Is he? Is that your favorite like pop culture robot? Probably all the time? still. Yeah, he probably still is. I mean, shout out to Bender. Yeah, of course. Do the bender, do the bender. No, thank you. I shall do it. I mean, shout out to to Marvin from Hitchhiker. Ghastly, isn't it? All the doors in this spaceship have been programmed to have a cheerful and sunny disposition. Anyway, come on. I've been ordered to take you up to the bridge. Ah, please yourself. Here I am, brain the size of a planet, and they ask me to take you up to the bridge. Call that job satisfaction, because I don't. But yeah, probably still Data. How about Health? I mean, he was awesome, too. Space I mean, Odyssey. horrifying, yeah. but awesome. <laughs> I've still got the greatest enthusiasm and confidence in the mission. And I want to help you. Dave, stop. Stop, will you? One of those more like, I mean, and yeah, for how old that movie is, it's it's funny the movies that put a year in the title or or clearly like at the beginning of the movie, they're like, this is the year. 2001. Look at how far <laughs> off in the distance this is. Right. And we've already reached Blade Runner year. Uh-huh. We've reached the Back to the Future year. I mean, all of these things have been passed. It's- I watched 2001, 2001, I think. For the first time in 2001, I think I hadn't actually seen it before that. My parents were like, we have to watch 2001 because it's 2001. And I don't know that you guys have seen it, but <laughs> we're like, you know, high school. <laughs> this is actually a really well done movie. <laughs> yeah, Kubrick. It's so beautiful. I mean, Kubrick, like, he, <laughs> yeah, he knows what he's doing. That the ending, trippy, trippy as hell. As hell. At the, the first time I saw it, I was like, what, uh, what and is also this? The, and also like, the music, Ooh. you know, as a classical 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. The monkeys. Bones. And. I'm wondering if that influenced, you know, in Birdhouse, the bone that drops. Oh, oh. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? So there's the throne uh-huh. bone in in, tw- in, tw- in 2001. Yeah. Uh, and there's that dropped bone in the... That's where it's, that's <laughs> Just where like it's randomly. Right. I didn't realize that Next Generation was as early as this. So his, uh-huh. his first appearance was... Encounter at Farpoint. 1987 was his first appearance. Oh, they probably shot the pilot in 87. I think the show started in 89. I thought. It's eighty-seven. Yeah, encounter at fair. Yeah, encounter at far point is the pilot episode. So he was in it from the get-go. Oh yeah. 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 You know, I don't. I don't. There's no particular reason that I'm not that I haven't seen more Star Trek. Like I do remember watching because yeah, Next Generation. You know, I, I mean, I, you're just like slightly older than me, probably, right? So yeah, I'm turning forty-one yeah, so in like August. A couple years older, but yeah. So it was something that like intrigued me when it came out when it was on in its original run it wasn't like my favorite show but if i was flipping through and it was on i'd always we watch it a little it. bit like i found we it had really cool. all yeah. of the episodes we like back when vhs was yeah there, we had like the entire shelf of them all on vhs <laughs> so we could watch mm-hmm. them over and over and over <laughs> so do i mean we've already t- okay so as far as the song goes <laughs> We've, t- I mean, we've talked about the the chord progression and the music. I think pretty adequately, just in that basically it's a song that starts out like musically starts out simple with like a classic mm-hmm. rock hook and chord progression, and the lyrics go with it that he's saying, "Stop repeating things I'm yeah. saying." Like I've used this chord <laughs> progression before, and then it gets a little weirder. And the lyrics get a little more introspective, I guess, as mm-hmm. the chord progression. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's one of these that really it all fits together, like a spiraling shape or something. There's there's a lot of their songs that do that. And then and and here's some poppy music, and here's a here's a dark depressing lyric, but they aren't necessarily connected. But we can yeah. do them at the same time. <laughs> I think we've we've pretty much come up with the th- with the theory that he probably wrote the music first and was inspired by his own. Uh, just, just, <laughs> you know, feeling of shortcoming in the music inspired the lyrics. Maybe. I mean, I, mean, I think that feels like a pretty good it's hypothesis. It's a good hypothesis based on the chorus, but I feel like the verses, you know, negate that. <laughs> like, okay. So, <laughs> no, I just mean the chord progressions of the of the verses are like, n- right. and no, I'm not being derivative. Like, nobody writes the chord progression that does this, you know? Yeah. I know you are. But what am right. I? Right. <laughs> so I assume when I'm but admiring the, my but reflection the goes back and yeah. forth too on, mm-hmm. you know, pretty heavily is, you know, you actually like me, you know, maybe I am kind secretly. of good, secretly, you uh-huh. know, if, if you, if you actually knew me, you know, maybe we're not just listening to my one, four, five progression. Maybe you would think I was a great music writer, but, <laughs> yeah. but then, you know, turning that around, well, I borrowed this from, you know, <laughs> forgeries. They're impressive, <laughs> but, they're, but they're forgeries. forgeries right? <laughs> Are we ready to get to the cover section? We could, yeah, we could do that. I'm, I'm ready. Was there something else? We, no, I mean, I, okay. I, yeah, I think we covered the meat of the song. I mean, I think we did we, it. We did. Right. I mean, if there's more stuff that comes up when you're talking about your cover, I mean, definitely. I mean, you have two <laughs> covers. So let's first play the one that's not by you. <laughs> And we've also said that this song has never been played live, which I think is 
is criminal. Mm -hmm. I think you would Mm -hmm. agree, right? So we have no live version to play, and obviously it's of the era. We have no demos. So onto the cover section, and first we have a bonus track listed as how they list it. And the channel is Rob, or backslash Rob. I'm trying to figure out what this is a bonus track to. Did you dig enough to find out what? He had an album that that was a track on. That was that was. But it was in a an album of originals. Yeah, just that they might be giants cover as the bonus track. That was an original. I'm ninety percent sure certain that I know this guy on Twitter. Okay, wait. Would I? I want to say this is Rob Pierre. Pierre, like French. I think that's his last name. If I'm wrong about his last name, I'm sorry, Rob. If you hear this. Okay, there's forward slash Rob. That this has got to be him. Forward slash Rob. Rob Pierre one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Indie House Records, punk, yeah. jazz, core, hip hop. Like he writes his own stuff. Okay. He writes lots and lots of stuff. I am following him already too. Yeah. Okay. What's up? I should I should definitely tweet him. And then since this song, which could have had no covers, my guest did two covers, and this is the only <laughs> other person that's covered it. In the world, as far as we've found, unless someone, you know, did it to cassette tape and it just hasn't and put it on the internet. And they have it in their little... Uh, no. <laughs> do, people rec- do people record songs and not put them on the internet I don't anymore? think so. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be really underground. Right. I buried mine in the back garden on cassette. I'm under I'm underground artist. <laughs> can I take a picture and not put it on Instagram? I can. I don't have an What's the point? What's the point even? posterity you know i don't know <laughs> anyway we should we should play rob's song hold on i want to see what the, there's a tweet with a mink car thing that they tweeted on may 24th 2022 forward slash rob tweeted sounds like the time for this absolute banger and it's banks <laughs> all right i will have to get a hold of this rob and drag him onto the possible uh, guest yeah, yeah. you should I know. I, I, I always like commenting on, on people's things. Like, I'll probably comment I on this. I just did like, earlier. <laughs> I'm following you on Twitter. And, and Jessica, three hours ago, said, this is very good. Especially, like, the baseline. I don't know who Jessica is, but... Uh, <laughs> and I'm... <laughs> and I just replied to your comment. <laughs> I said, me agree. <laughs> So let's listen. Now we're gonna have to tweet to Rob Rob that we're like, (laughs) yeah. Hey Rob, check your YouTube. We're just fucking with you. (laughs) Yeah, we're just fucking with you. So this is Quarantunes. So um, yeah, which actually Joel Yellowitz came out with a very similarly titled. um, So let's see. Yeah, I guess Toast Band came. Okay. Uh, What did he call his? Yeah, Quarantunes. That's like Joel. Some beach to it. Synergy is like <laughs> syncing up. His art makes it look like it's a um, <clears throat> an element. It's uh-huh. a, like it's a, the, the, the LMR. It's QT. Quarantines. Quarantines. Oh, yeah, Quarantines. Like that. That's cute. Uh-huh.
So, what did you think of Backslash Rob's cover? Of- I thought it was groovy, and I especially liked the bass line. <laughs> yeah. I like his voice. I do too. That's a good point. Another one of these people that probably, if they like They Might Be Giants, like, you sound like them. It's that uh-huh. very, it's mm-hmm. that They Might Be Giants fan kind of vocal timbre mm-hmm. that <laughs> so many of us seem to have. Or maybe it just comes out more when you're, like you said, like all of a sudden you'll start using like a... Like I, I pull out, I mean, there are definitely vocal things that I do that are like, this is a Linnellism and I'm just copying him. And like, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm, if I'm singing a song that's in like this baritone range, and I'll you know dive for that mm-hmm. little deep note, and I'm like, it probably sounds stupid outside my head, but it sounds just like him inside my head. So, <laughs> I think I think Avery was the one that pointed out something on my Drown the Clown cover because on Drown the Clown I upped it two whole steps. I took it. I kept. Well, if I started out, I learned it just as is, and then I just kept capoing up until it was at a spot where the highest notes that I like had to yell them, like I had to <laughs> go like full volume to get the right. notes. Like that was like how what I wanted it, where I wanted it, and so yeah, I ended up yeah capoing on the fourth fret or fifth fret, fifth fret. And and there was a thing I was doing where yes, it is a Linnell song, but it fits so well with that style that early aughts, early aughts pop punky emo stuff mm-hmm. where it's just like you kind of scoop up into a note where you're just like ah mm-hmm. you know and i th- i think even pointed out on the um because they even phonetically typed out like the way i had pronounced can't deny this right. troll like something somewhere deny this troll like the deny like something about that like i was like just like using this linnell thing combined with this this thing from that era of punk that it's just it gelled so well like that song was surprisingly easy to put into yeah. that that style of punk. It made me really happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> which one? Uh, which one of your covers do you want to talk about first? Should we do yeah, the old do one the first? Stop repeating things I'm saying. Stop repeating things I'm saying. You're an anxious robot. You're an anxious robot. I know you are, but what am I, is what I say when I'm at 
so let's see how far back are we going here it was 2019 i was thinking i had done this right around when it you know not long after it came out but no actually it took me like a whole freaking year because hey newbie keyboard player (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know how many freaking chords there are in those verses Right. Yeah, you're like, oh, like, of course. Can, this easy, would be no easy. Problem. That is a one, four, five. I can do. <laughs> no, <laughs> I have to learn all these minor chords too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Anytime. Yeah. B flat. Anytime your thumbs have to go over to the yes. black keys, like, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> which inversion? I'll which, just which invert it. Should I yeah. use for this and still sound good? Right. <laughs> can I get away? Let's with get the B flat under right. my pinky instead. <laughs> nerd talk this is the song that taught me and, how inversions <laughs> on the keyboard work because <laughs> like, that's not something you yeah. think about as a violinist you can think about it as a guitarist but you have to be yeah. far enough into it to not just be like here's a here's a version of this chord i can play <laughs> yeah like, you, you might think about it as a bass player at least if you're a bass player that reads music especially yeah. because if you're doing anything that's walking around you don't necessarily need to be hitting the root Right. Like on the downbeat of right. a new co- chord, but you have to know what the third and the fifth mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I mentioned before that I love your, your Linnellian stare. At the end, especially with the... You're engaging the camera. Yes. So what I was actually yes. doing you at play. the end of, of the song was showing off that I had switched uh-huh. back to one hand. So I'm like, I played, the, I played okay. it with one hand because <laughs> I'm just mashing those chords. And then for the for the verse where you really need you know, the two-handed rhythm, or maybe it was the bridge, I pulled in my other hand, you know, mm-hmm. I, I start playing the higher notes with my right hand, and then I'm back to the verse or, or the chorus again, and I'm like, I have nothing for mm-hmm. this hand to do because I'm playing four-note chords on the other end. <laughs> so here's yeah. a cup of tea, yeah. and I'll stare at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I can play yeah. this song no, that's with great. one hand. <laughs> that's great. There. That- <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of punk stuff, are you familiar with No Effects at all? How do I know the name? I'm like I'm probably I'm, the most famous skate I punk band. I know the band. name. I, I don't mean, know that I'm familiar, but I know the name. So Fat Mike, Mike Burkett, he started Fat Records. That like all these skate punk bands came off in the early '90s. And honestly, that I've heard that name too. <laughs> Fat yeah. Records. Yep, Fat Mike. He's actually a fantastic bass player. But there's this move. He's a total goofball. So sometimes you don't think about it. He he plays with the pick always, but his picking technique, like you'd be like, oh, that's why punk players play with the pick, like. But he'll do this thing, like if he's on an open string, like especially an open E, he'll just like take his fretting hand and just kind of go like this. So he's like singing and just like playing the E and just like this like Jello arm on the left arm. I think maybe you should steal that technique for a violin, you know, next time. I'm like, have an open string and I'm just like, just really get it under your, yeah, you know, get a good, your jaw there get and good, just let your arm flail right. around. That's actually hard for me because I don't play with a real shoulder rest. I play with a sponge. Oh, by by choice or just? Yeah, sort of by, I went, I went shoulder rest free for a while and then like mm-hmm. technique wise, a shoulder rest locks your violin position. My teacher, who is like Baroque inspired and cares about like Baroque performance and stuff, and people didn't use shoulder rest back then, she was like, I want you to try without a shoulder rest right. and see if you like it. And yeah. I did, except hmm. that my neck is slightly too long. So I use a sponge just to get the height, but I have yeah. I have mm-hmm. the mobility to like move the instrument and tilt the instrument and stuff. 
so that's how I play. But I'm very familiar with the sponge technique. I mean, little kids all. start with it, and everybody, you know, older than that is like, why do you still use a sponge? And it's, you know, it's because people didn't originally use shoulder rests, and there's mm-hmm. there's freedom of movement that you get by not having one. That if you do you just put the sponge under and then just like get it there? Or do I you do. Rubber I rubber band it on like a sixth grader. Yes. And that lets my violin move. But to do that, you also have to have a little bit of, of input from your left hand to hold it. Like you're still mm-hmm. holding it a little yeah. bit. So I can, you know, I can grab it with my head, but I can move my head around, you know, and the instrument around and it's much more free. Yeah. Those do really lock you in. I don't know if you and Dana would have talked about this on that violin. No, I don't episode. think we really talked technique. Cause much. she's playing. Right. Cause she, she focuses a lot on her electric or six string electric. And that, I mean, the body shape is not a traditional violin shape. It is a flying V, uh-huh. essentially, right? It's a viper. And so there is... Like, I'm not sure how the shoulder rest attaches on that. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's an accessory just for that brand or something, or it comes with it or something. But yeah, you, you, you could not use the sponge with that thing. <laughs> right. There's not even that much under that's coming that way. No, I don't, I don't know. know where you put a sponge on that. It's cool looking up. <laughs> yeah. And the bridge on that thing? I don't know if you've... Taking a close look at that. Is it unusual? Yeah. Or is it not? Well, just like, I mean. Well, it's got to be, it's got to be a different width. It's curved. It's got to have a different curve because you've got. The strings are a little closer together. I mean, I think they can, if I'm remembering correctly, they almost kind of zero in a little. They oh, they're, almost, n- they're like not. They're going down they're the not, neck. Are they're, they're, they're wider, wider at the top. where you bow and then they get. Oh, I bet they would have to be. Yeah. So you don't get like weird vibrations between the strings and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and then like because then you don't want the neck to be too thick mm-hmm. down here. Yeah. I'd have to confirm that with Dana. Dana, are yeah, you listening? We need to know. <laughs> I I do like that this podcast is to the point where it's like I've had so many people on that are experts or have their own little specialties and different things, and then like they've heard it and they respond to it or something. It's kind of fun. It's 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 definitely fun. It's not just kind of fun. It is fun. I had one more thing I wanted to say about the piano, which is that upright piano is vaguely out of tune in that that recording because of my niece and nephew who bang on it. And Booyah. my niece is now learning <laughs> to play. <laughs> yeah. And there's no tuning that thing. <laughs> like between the amount of banging a five and six year old will do on this thing. <laughs> like <laughs> We are we we don't bring in a piano tuner more than once a year because it costs money. Yeah. Well, is there a place by you that does a subscription service? Ooh. Because I have a place at it's the same company that services both of my schools and my piano right over here. Where if you basically commit and it's I mean you're not even signing any papers, but if you tell them that you're going to use them to tune your pianos twice a year, it knocks like 25 bucks off a pop. Yeah. How happy are they to repair like a dozen keys every time? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Are they like picking up the edge of the keys, like like picking up the... Every time I turn around, it's another broken key. (laughs) I mean, this piano cost me 150 bucks because really just my friend wanted... Mainly to get rid of it, it was, but it was in yeah. good shape. I was more than happy to get a piano for 150 bucks. It ended up, once we got it here to town, because I bought it right as we were moving out of town from her 
Well, first they put it into the drywall and the corner of the stairs there coming down. They're like, wait, we're going downstairs with this? I'm like, yep, that's going to be the studio. <laughs> right to the okay, corner, right just, into the wall. going to throw it down the You signed a waiver for that. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it was already out of tune when I got it because it was the one that she hadn't used that much. She had her grandmother's piano and then the, the piano she grew up on. This is the one she grew up on. She wanted her her late grandmother's piano. That's the one she kept. So this one, it was a little out of tune. It was on a moving truck. It got put into a wall. It got down here. They had to come here three times to get it to stay in Just tune. It, it cost me 350 oh. bucks to get it in oh. tune. Yeah, because it was like the normal. Well, well, they're like, okay, this is really out of tune. So it's more than a standard tuning. They were here for like yep. two hours. Yep. Just like yanking it and then like going back and yanking them again because they would just just pulling each other out of mm-hmm. tune. And yeah, and it sounded good when they left. <laughs> and then, and then a week later, I'm like, uh, can you come back? And they're like, yeah, we're not going to charge you for a full tuning, but we're going to have to charge you something. And, and then they'd come back a third time because I was wanting to record something. I mean, I was teaching yeah, some piano lessons like, at the time to too, it. but I was... It was mainly, yeah, like I was putting like two mics up top. I was dismantling almost the whole piano. I take the bottom, the bass off, and because it's a, it's a spinet, so the, the strings are mm-hmm. like that. So I'll have mics down below, like a low-end mic mm-hmm. by the thick strings and a different mic, and then a stereo pair up top, really complicated micing <laughs> system. I'm like, I'm not going to go to this trouble if this thing's not like really It needs to sound good there's no point, yeah. So they kept coming back, and it was fine. And now they just tune it once a year, and it's all good. But, yeah, that was frustrating. <laughs> we are really getting into the weeds on the music I nerd just, talking. Yeah. People that I don't play my upright <sighs> because the kids play it. Like, it just gets banged on so it's bad. A, it's a beautiful looking – What uh, do you know what year no, those made? No, I have no idea. Just, it doesn't say on the it inside It probably does. Anymore. I haven't looked. So are we ready to talk about your current – cover your the the uh Soon piece de resistance <laughs> So tell us the process 
just just start start from the very beginning a very good place to start well, the very beginning is that i got really into this youtube channel <laughs> so you're a music teacher so you probably know who two set violin is right actually no oh you don't oh no okay. um but they're they're right kind now. of popular with music school teachers right now from what i hear they're two set violin australian a taiwanese australian duo comedy duo on youtube Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of Two Set Violin. Recently, we asked you to submit your photos of yourself holding an instrument, and we have to try and guess if you can actually play or you're a very good faker. On Two Set Violin, we've been educating for the last few years what bad fake violin playing looks like. I'm curious to see. I hope I don't embarrass myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or sort of blowing okay. up right now. And but is this stuff that would be appropriate for kids my age? There's the occasional swear word, but not a lot. Most of the recent stuff, most of the recent stuff is fairly family friendly. Some of their earliest stuff is less so, but like, you know, you could definitely find a lot of stuff in there that your mm, kids okay. could, could watch. But they're like, you know, classical world comedy or, you know, life of a classical yeah. musician and like, classical pieces and you know relating it to pop culture kind of stuff they're like here's why this stuff is relevant and cool and we like it and i sort of binge their seven years of their channel in about a month and that was what got me playing again because i put my violin yeah. down for the entire pandemic pretty much hmm. like i was so i was playing in a little I, there's a little chamber orchestra through the community music school here that I was playing in right before the pandemic and we closed down. We're like, we, there's mm-hmm. this scary virus and we can't all be together, especially because my teacher who, or she was my violin teacher also who led this orchestra is like 80 or something. And like, yeah, or, you know, yeah. You don't want to take middle seventies or, or older. And we're like, we can't all be together. We can't be around each other. This is dangerous. So we shut down immediately and I didn't play for six months because it was depressing. And I mm-hmm. didn't want to, you know, all my music that I was working on was pieces for this, you know, for chamber orchestra. And I'm like, this is, this thing is never ending. Why work on, you know, this Vivaldi piece and this Baccarini piece. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will polish this up if if we ever have orchestra again. I will learn this piece. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. The motivation levels were the, the pandemic was a weird thing. It was a very like, weird time. My motivation for writing, like I wrote a lot of outdoor floor songs during that time, so I was very motivated for some things, and then, and then other things just kind others. of disappeared. Right. Yeah. Like I worked on I worked on covers for you know for my channel. I worked mm-hmm. on I did pet name during the pandemic i did you know some of the midi stuff we did vancouver roman songs those you know those things were all during the pandemic but yeah i i did not pull violin out for easily six months i pulled it out once just as like a oh yeah i used to play this instrument i wonder if i still can (laughs) you know i got my fingies hurt (laughs) like i've been building guitar calluses i can't actually play the violin (laughs) Like, yeah, there is, you know, there's actually some pretty heavy sacrifice back and forth of what I can and can't play at the same time. Like, I can't, I can't do electric guitar and violin together. I, I really can't do acoustic guitar 
and violin together. What do you mean? Because my calluses build up differently and they throw each other off. Really? If I get hard huh. if I get hard calluses with rough edges, I can't play the violin. I think you need to well, Okay, so the the acoustic you play is a nylon string. It is, but Yeah. I think you need to start playing a folk style acoustic with steel strings cuz then your calluses they they, they, they are get rough shiny. At first. But they get, yeah, mine are nice and shiny. So I don't even they're, want and they're, they're just like all over. Because like I'll play bass too. And that's more kind of on this part of your finger. I don't want hard calluses on my fingers. I want mild calluses. But I don't want hard ones. Because I can't feel the strings. I would say that I can still feel the strings. But like, yeah, you on could probably take a lighter like, and just like. Yeah, you know, I can't put play it on with that kind of callus. Like I tried and it, it wasn't good. So, so I was you know, yeah. kind of focusing on guitar stuff when I was. Mm-hmm. teaching myself keyboard and like doing these other things. And I wrote that keyboard suite that someday eventually this year I'm going to record. And I'm like, so I had pandemic music projects, but violin was not one of them. And I just hmm. put it aside for two years straight. And then the spring yeah. after I binged watched all of Tusa, I'm like, these guys can really play and I can sort of play. <laughs> uh-huh. And all of their socials say go practice is what I'm noticing. And they say that at the end of every damn video. It's like, go practice. Yeah. That's, like your, that's their outro. And, it's their and go practice. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay guys, I should. And so I started again and I get off YouTube and go practice. Exactly. I like that. I, I started like that. up again this spring in February. I've played, I practiced about an hour a day, every day since then, except for I think three days based on like work schedule and I couldn't get home early enough. And because I'm playing again, <laughs> I'm also thinking about what you can do with it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And when I knew we were going to record this episode, I was like, I could do a better cover than that shitty piano thing I did three years ago, <laughs> 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 which was lots of fun. And I, you know, learned some chords on the keyboard Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I could not have played before that, but I could do, you know, something cooler. And, you know, something that I really love is counterpoint and counter melody. So I, I sat down with anxious robot and asked myself, you know, what would this sound like? Well, and I did that string quartet arrangement of the Mrs. Bluebeard Mm -hmm. or that was the one I did. Right. And so I was like, I could do that again, but I'm playing again. I'm playing violin again. So I have to, I have to write this for four part violin, not for cello, viola and two violins because I don't Mm -hmm. have any, I don't have a cello player. I don't have a viola player. So I have to orchestrate this for violin. So you need to find yourself a cello player. I need to learn the cello. One of the other, (laughs) you know, my friend Robin, who I was mentioning, her husband is a viola player. That's what they're on. So it's just a built-in a couple. I like hit them both up. Like perfect. (laughs) It is. It is so perfect except my cello player who also went to school with us has moved to texas but i found a local cellist so i i do have strings in mind for these songs behind me for two of them probably yeah the the really motowny ones there's a cello player in my string or in my chamber orchestra but like Mm -hmm. we haven't kept in touch over the last two years I don't even know if she's still around when we start back up. Maybe she'll be there and I'll have a cello player, but maybe she doesn't like pop music. I have no idea. You know, we play Baroque. <laughs> you don't have any way to contact her? I don't even have her email address. You'll probably get it from my teacher, but like. You should. I mean, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing. For, it wouldn't be like so like, out of the, I mean, it might be a little out of the blue, but. I need you to record this 
do you remember me from two years ago? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure she does. I mean, the cello player I found locally, yeah, her name's Abby. She played on this green record right here. She played on that record, and I produced part of that record mm-hmm. and played some trombone on it and stuff. And so I met her through, oh, actually, I think I first met her through their Sgt. Pepper's live tribute that they did. I played trombone and I played accordion on Mr. Kite and Cara played some horn and some trumpet. Yeah. So that's where we met Joe and Andy who ended up in outdoor velour. That's where we met her. And so when Amanda moved to Texas, I'm like, Hey Abby, what would you think about playing on this? Cause I knew she'd played in all this rock stuff before. She's like, I'm in. I'm like, that was easy. <laughs> it, it's hard, but I'm also like, I know everyone who plays music in this in town, that town yeah. in any genre. <laughs> <laughs> people in the community orchestra, mm-hmm. people, you know, yeah. yeah, and then I guess the other influence going in on this string violin—I should say violin quartet because string quartet typically has cello—but this violin quartet thing is that I have been digging through the Schubert quartet string quartets, and like okay. I have, I have that kind of string quartet on the mind right now. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, it's definitely of that style. And I mean, it does help that you, I mean, the reason you like, you know, counter melody so much is because playing in quartets and quintets, it's like, that is Well, concerto grossi so is really out. what I've played uh-huh. the most. I don't think I've okay. ever actually played a string quartet because okay. we always have too many people, but <laughs> like... A, sure, so, similar, right? It's not yeah, a full it's, orchestra. It's not a full orchestra. It's always, it's always very melody driven and you hand the yeah. melody between the different instruments. And it's very easy to pick out to hear. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easier it. to hear the intertwining of stuff rather when it's than it's like. It's not like a Mahler. Flute. You don't just bury it under this wall of. Whoa. Right. Where you've right. got like flutes are doing something and then like French horns are doing something over here and you're like, whoa, there's a lot happening. I'm not dissing it's Mahler. It's more sparse. It's beautiful, but it's oh, a yeah. different thing. The other Gustav, the other big Gustav. Right. <laughs> got Holst and Mahler together at last. <laughs> Like that's that is musically how I think. I think like yeah. concerto grossi and quartet, you know, like tight melody arrangement. Which is again why I can't write pop music because it doesn't usually do that. <laughs> you know, when this episode comes out, I think you should tweet it at those uh, the the two set guys. Okay, I can do that. And just I, mention I mentioned that we're, you. We've brought them up. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we talk about dorky stuff on this music podcast. Yeah. Well, clearly they like pop music and and they like classical music. Yeah, actually, they got their start as a as a pop violin cover band or cover cool. duo, and then nice. they pivoted when they realized that like those are a dime a dozen, and nobody really cares. But being able to be funny and musical is not a dime a dozen. Yeah, yeah, you find a lot of comedy acts in rock music and pop music. But not so much having to do with classical music. Right. So it definitely it's like, is a it more is a, it's untouched a, niche. Un, it's an open space. You've got them, and you've got what is what's what are the piano 
guy. Oh. I don't know. Rachmaninoff has really big hands. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> you just look that up. <laughs> it's the funniest. It is. <laughs> Other than Tusa, which I'm currently fan trash for, really? it's the funniest classical comedy I've ever seen is the skit, um, Rachmaninoff Has Big Hands. Rachmaninoff! Sony Dege Kosmida! Big Hands! Donan, Korea! Small hands. But only hands small. He uses this giant wooden bar with like pegs on it that can hit the keys to play all these chords <laughs> it's just, and the other guy behind him is like handing them to him so he can hit the chords <laughs> okay i gotta watch this that's the other yeah this is classic like early youtube stuff wow hmm. that's the other other great classical comedy that i know of they're they're yeah. hilarious but they're not like you know making a youtube video every other week or three a week Right. They're more, I think they're more of the traditional performer we do a type. Tour. They're not performing for the camera. It just might happen to be on camera. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a different type. Yeah. Oh, anyway. So, so, yeah. so I, at some point, I feel like I would have already played your cover. <laughs> okay. I don't know where I drop it in. It's funny when this happens, like sometimes me, especially when a guest does the cover, we just start talking about it. Right. I'm like, wait, did I even put a spot for me to put it in there? <laughs> What was the biggest challenge of this this project? Well, since this project is currently in process and not completed as of us answering <laughs> me answering this, <laughs> but it will be. <laughs> the biggest challenge on the first one that you sent me, I mean, you were you were you were already like making disclaimers about okay, this note's out of tune, this, that, and it'll be fixed by the time of whatever people just heard. The biggest challenge is writing the arrangement i'm like yeah once i have it written you know i can play it It, getting off the ground yeah it's coming up with ideas that i think are clever enough and i'm Mm. not gonna say that this is you know super clever but it does more than one thing even if you not using the word clever it's just it's inventive in that you went so far from the original song's genre that you almost had to be more clever because you're exposing the song in a way that the original doesn't expose its intricacies. Right. So you had to, and that's, that's, I found that really fun. Kind of like what genre haven't I covered them in yet? Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. led birth. The the techno cover. If I broke my own rule, Uh, I'm like, this would be fun to play. I mean, I listened to a bunch of techno, like when I was in the process of making that, I'm like, I'm I'm like, I'm not a techno guy. And purist would probably be like, this isn't even really technical, but I'm like, I'm going to listen to some just to see if I, you know, get close. Mm-hmm. And you obviously were already well-versed in this type of arrangement, but writing it yourself, like it might be easier to write an original. Well, no, personally, I think not, but because, <laughs> well, no, actually I have to back that up because I did write a keyboard suite last year and it wasn't hard. I was expecting it to be, and it wasn't. 
So when it's a blank canvas. Yeah. And you're like, for me, I start with a motif, which unfortunately is not a melody, but I can start with a motif and I can, you know, make it happen across a couple of parts and I can find ways for them to interact with each other. And yeah. mm-hmm. That's what scratches my musical itch the most, like mm-hmm. is hearing two melodies talk to each other and harmonies come out. Like Stop repeating things I'm saying. Stop repeating things I'm saying. <laughs> Said one oh, violin to the other. Did I do that? I can't think <laughs> if I actually did that. I should have. <laughs> You're like, shit, back to the drawing board. Shit, no, no, no. No, because no, like, because like for this one i just locked the i just locked the melody into the top yeah. line and then wrote mm-hmm. you know other melodies underneath in spots where they felt like they fit yeah when i was writing more classical type stuff especially in college start with the top and the bottom right you know you <laughs> want then you, you can be more keep, creative in the middle that's actually what i did here because you have to mm-hmm. keep the baseline mostly the same i think i cheated in one measure where i really wanted it to go yeah. in a slightly different direction <laughs> but like, sure but yeah you'd, you'd really change the feel of the song if you There's, were inverting yeah. everything or changing a chord completely if you didn't follow the baseline it wouldn't yeah it would be the same mm-hmm. song like there is a stretch in this arrangement where i kicked out his melody completely and i just wrote this part where the like the second and third violin are talking to each other with this little staccato thing and i'm like and i can yeah bring the like that. bring the yeah. first violin in for you know a reply but it's not actually doing the the melody is gone i didn't bother with the melody for that second because i wanted to do this little call and response thing but no that's cool yeah you, <laughs> you made it your own in in yet another yeah another layer of making it your own thing but i had to keep you know i kept the baseline because it had yeah. to be the same song <laughs> the fundamental of that is the baseline <laughs> so anyway the challenge was making it sound like a string quartet because i was like you know even though it's four violins i have to you know make the bass notes i was really lucky it was in G so I could just use the G string, sit on the bottom note a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Have it at least sound like a string quartet, even if I don't actually have a cello. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> play the most pitch resonant, it down. Play Digitally. the most resonant G mm-hmm. string note I can yeah. play. <laughs> and then there were like a couple measures where, you know, as I wrote it at first, it felt trite if I just stuck with what Linnell did. So I had to like change the harmony a bit to make it feel like it was doing something that a string quartet would really do yeah and you'll see i mean just the nature of the violin you tend to hear more kind of ornamentation and yeah little trills i have to fit a trill in i did a couple like you know (laughs) you know something that linnell would not be singing right you know you embellish it a little bit yeah 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 Mm -hmm. so 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 writing it was yeah and then of course you know, playing it since I've only been really playing again since February. Um, There's the whole intonation issue, which mm-hmm. I'm really actually focusing on that. I mean, just as a as an intermediate, I can't even call myself an advanced. As an intermediate player, I am focusing this year on improving my left-hand technique because I feel like pre-recording stuff, I didn't know what I sounded like, and I let myself uh-huh. get away with a lot of stuff and my teacher let me get away with it. Yeah, <laughs> she liked yeah. me because she's so sweet, but she let me get away with stuff. <laughs> so I'm like... Recording, yeah, putting yourself under that microscope will really, really change your perspective on things. Get- I have a weekly a weekly recording, a self-recording session to listen yeah. to my technique. I'm, yeah. like, I'm working on this Bach partita, and I'm like, every Saturday I listen, you know, I record it and listen back, which is about as much 
storage as I'm willing to spend on, you know, <laughs> data storage recording myself. And I'm, and I'm really drilling. I'm drilling left-hand frame and intonation this year. Yeah. I'm hoping mm-hmm. by the end of the year that I will not sound like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, record. That's yeah. That's a good idea. I mean, it's funny. Like, I'll I'll be videotaping myself skateboarding. Cars. Like, why are you doing? Who's that for? I'm like, you know, it's fun. Me and my old friends that used to skate and stuff. We find yeah. it fun. But it's also just like I will videotape myself doing like. 30 kickflip attempts just to figure out what the fuck I'm doing wrong because right. I'm like I'm a lot more disciplined than I was as a skater because when mm-hmm. I would go out with my friends in high school we just egg each other on to do the most dangerous thing yeah. and I was the guy that would be throwing myself downstairs like all in big <laughs> stuff I was the guy that would do big stuff and do grinds but I was never good at flip tricks and I'm just like I'll watch but you can t- you can watch it you can take it apart Yes, and we didn't have YouTube at the time, but I can like watch a kickflip, a person doing a kickflip in slow motion, and then watch myself doing it in slow motion. Be like, oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) And with audio too, yeah, recording yourself, recording so you can hear it because when you play it, you're fairly new to recording yourself, though. So it's it's like yeah, revelations. You're like, oh, that's why that's happening. Uh Okay, this is happening now. I can fix it. You know, the violin player inside your head is not the violin player that you hear back. Like yeah. you, and I didn't even realize this until this year. Like I don't hear my intonation is bad. I hear what I think I'm going to play, right? Mm. So <laughs> it's kind of like being a singer. Yeah, I mean, I think being in choir teaches you to hear yourself sing because you got to know what note you're going for to hit it, <laughs> and and because you have the feedback of all the other people adjusting around you, and you're adjusting to them. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing by yourself an instrument by yourself at home and you haven't learned to actively listen to it, then you just go on thinking, you know, I'm playing yeah. this song. I feel happy. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I now having recorded myself, having listened to myself and having done, you know, a couple months of listen every week, try to fix what I'm doing wrong. I can now I like hear, mm-hmm. I, I now actually hear my playing much more. And I fixed Good. my intonation much more than I did. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. The music teacher in me loves that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> For real, though, I'm. <laughs> my violin teacher would probably love that too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the self discipline, like even, and it's not even necessarily something that like a kid wouldn't do. An adult would like that. Like an most adult adults, might, you know, I mostly learned as an adult. I learned in mm-hmm. you know one year of elementary and high school for three yeah. but not with a great teacher not with one who really pushed me much and wasn't You're not you making know, I was a, a living off of violence and I wasn't so making living, but yeah. i came back to it in grad school with very uh-huh. little technique you know because i had so little instruction and so my teacher focused on here's you know here's how scales work here's how you know here's how double stops are played here you mm-hmm. know not on musicality as much and not on you know, here's what you actually sound like. You kind of have to, you have to start with those sort of structural things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how to yeah. hold it in a way that's not going to kill you. And like, <laughs> you know, right, right, right. we spent so long on just, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, <laughs> but yeah, that recording yourself is definitely a way that, I mean, you're showing your discipline as a player. Cause it's not playing violin and playing music in general is not your job. You don't, have yeah. to be doing it. You don't have to be improving, but you want to be improving. But I hella want and to you're making stuff. you're making steps to improve. So your teacher definitely. would definitely yeah, would oh, definitely yeah, be sure. a fan of that. But I mean I must say that like 
just the getting to know you and playing your covers on the show before I knew you, like the progress you've made as, I mean, as a musician and a covered artist, like the, the creativity of your range and just like the ideas that you have have come so far in just like the three and a half years here's, I've been doing the show. Here's rhythm section one ad with the bass chords from the wiki. Right. Well, right. and it's not it's not even just like, oh, I was learning to play the guitar. I mean, that's part of it is that you've gotten but better like, at each instrument you've used, but also just like the creativity is yeah, like just going off of basic chords. It's not interesting to me to just bash out a bunch of Poor, poor video quality videos of playing slow versions on an acoustic guitar with only the chord yeah. on the wiki. Yeah. That's not fundamentally interesting, which is not to say that the most recent thing on my channel is not one of those, because some songs are just worth, but however you can get them out, they're worth it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like, but yeah, you've, so you've advanced <laughs> over the past three and a half years. You have, and that's really not that long of time, especially at the age that we're but at. I, you every, know, you've every advanced to the point where you're, project yeah, where you mm -hmm. have to come up with something that interests you. And yeah, you're not just learning the song, you're making the song your own thing. And that's, that's, that's the satisfying part of being a covers artist. Cause I mean, writing your own music is very, very satisfying. And that's, that's a whole other thing. But like, I wouldn't keep churning out They Might Be Giants covers if I was doing them the same way every time. Right. I would bore mm -hmm. myself, right? And mm -hmm. so I'm constantly like, okay, what what's going to be hard for me to do? <laughs> like, what's something that's I'm totally unfamiliar with? And I think I think Seymour talked me into doing a country cover of of They Might Be Giants next. I'm trying to think. Well, I'm doing a Scott this cover of fun. Four of Two for. Oh, that's that's no. going to be hella fun. And that is more in my wheelhouse. Yeah, it's like not unfamiliar, but. but I've never but done a Scott cover thing with Giant Song before. Super cool. But yeah, country, I want to bust out that lap seal. It gives me an excuse to use an instrument I that's in mm -hmm. my closet over there. Mm -hmm. A 1963 dual neck Gretsch la uh, lap seal. So you can have it in two different <laughs> tunings if you're alive. But it's not pedal seal, it's just a lap seal, but it's dual uh -huh. neck. I was thinking the one that's on my schedule, shoehorn with teeth. I can kind of, yeah, I can or, imagine that. I mean, you don't want to pick one that already kind of is. Racist friend might be a good one for a country Ooh. cover, actually. It's it far could also be a commentary from, yeah. on Hillbilly's <laughs> Not. No, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you should also think about, yeah. How, about, yeah. how, how about something like computer-assisted design being a country cover? Something where you're like, taking this 8-bit would totally make sense. I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> go, go as far as possible. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll think of something else. I mean, even 32 footsteps. It does make me I'm happy that the Unctuous Robot, you know, is a, 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 a very rocky rock song. And now it's a Schubert style string. It came out great. <laughs> the arrangement's great. So what's your score on this song? Oh. Lordy, Lordy. I mean, anything that I play on repeat for like literally hours is above an eight i would probably go 8.5 okay all right let's see i put become a robot at 8.5 it's funny we talked <laughs> we talked about this song so much where i the conclusion i came to that it is a song that is so ridiculous and so like almost tossed off we we basically decided that they had to have just written and recorded this all in one afternoon yeah and that it's them just fucking around and having so much fun that it is brilliant in its 
just dumb simplicity and bizarreness <laughs> like that. It's like not from a classic song pop construction 8.5 necessarily because it is well put together. Right. It's an 8.5 because it is thrown together and goes in the lyrics and the music and everything just goes together in this mm-hmm. way that is just so fascinatingly bizarre that it, it, it got an 8.5. Now, Unctuous Robot, it is it is a great song, but Become a Robot is a song that's lived with me for, you know, mm-hmm. 25 years. I, I I don't think I heard it until I got the then compilation, but it's that's 25 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Unctuous Robot, I don't think could quite top it in that. Just it's, it's at a disadvantage there. But it is a song I'm glad you guys made me listen to My Murdered Remains more than I have like in a year, like or two years, like popping that CD in and listening to him. It's like, man, there's some good shit here. And Unctuous Robot is definitely one of them, even though Linnell may or may not think so, <laughs> based on the lyrics and where they stuck it on this B-Sides, possibly B-Sides disc. It really has has really won me over. I think I'm going to go uh, 7.6, so pretty high. Now, we've talked a lot about your, so Jazz Cat is your YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and is there anything else you want to plug, tell your socials, anything like that? The only other project that I'm doing this year is a monthly magazine cut-up collage art project, <laughs> but it's oh it, yeah, it's not being released on any regular schedule. It's just, I get a Vogue magazine every month, and I'm like, I'm turning it into an art thing. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only other creative project that I have going, but... <laughs> So if you follow me on Twitter, you can see what I do with every month's copy of Vogue. <laughs> Maybe I should mail you my old issues of my music educator <laughs> magazines, and you could put violins in the hands of all these fashion models put, and stuff. Well, I'm not generally not hanging on to the actual pictures. I'm using them as like color box and things. and make Yeah, cool. Tessellated, you know, like mosaic art and stuff. Like Fun. Fine. Because cool. just because the photography is like top notch, but I don't care at all about the subject matter. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I didn't get yeah. this magazine on purpose. It just started showing up. And like, <laughs> it's like for me when when Esquire started showing up because Spin Magazine stopped its print edition. Right. <laughs> like I wanted a music magazine. I don't need uh, cologne samples. Need cologne I've never samples. worn cologne in my life. Right. No, thank you. All right. Well, I think we anyway. should probably wrap this up here. It is, it's, I do have one more day of school, technically. No oh. kids. But it is like the checkout yeah. day. I oh. just have to go make sure my room's uh, set for Maybe custodians to do the deep clean. Yeah. Right. So people know where to find. This might be a podcast. But uh, leave me voicemails, 224-801-2930. Or email at this might be a pod at gmail. And... Yeah, I think we should just yeah. peace out of this episode. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> peace. Bye, Greg. All my works are forgeries. Impressive, yes, but worthless forgeries. Impressive, yes, until you learn they're forgeries. Stop repeating.